Good morning, Church. Welcome to the Sunday service of FCC. For today's service, in case you hear any sound disturbance, uh, for those who have worked from home before, you realise that there's been a lot of renovation going on, and it so happens that there's some renovation going on downstairs. So if you hear some disturbance online or on-site, uh, please do take note that it's not due to your system, but we hope that this will not disrupt your service experience. So as we continue to put aside any disturbance, whether physical, emotional, psychological, uh, let us just calm our hearts and prepare our hearts for a time to worship. Come in, come in and sit down. You are a part of the family. We are lost and we are found and we are a part of the family. We know God that we who have gathered here are a part of the family. But we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand. There are people we disagree with. There are people we don't like. There are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. So let us now prepare our hearts to join together our voices in a time of worshipping together. So there's a bit of a technical issue. Our laptop, as part of our equipment in our past 10 years, has actually broken down slightly. And now it has hanged, so we have to kind of like restart. So now let us prepare our hearts again.
Hi, a very good morning to all of you online. I realized that uh, our production team realized that there's actually no sound output online. So we apologize for that. We are trying to solve this problem. So at this moment, uh, we are gathered together. Now we know the advantage of coming on site to attend the Sunday worship. So at least the people on site are hearing one worship song properly, whereas the people online are not able to hear the song at all. But anyway, uh, due to the limitation, uh, there's only 50 packs that we can welcome here on site. So if you'd like to come, uh, do uh, just sign up the attendance sheet online and then come and join us live once in a while if you can wake yourself up on Sunday morning to come. <laughs> but regardless, uh, whether you're online or on site, we thank you for your participation and for your, you know, joining us. I think it's really... Uh, an encouragement to all of us who work very hard to try to bring the service to you. We've been working on this since COVID started. And ever since COVID started, we really have got no idea that it will last this long. But at this moment, let's just uh, join our hearts together in a word of prayer. God, indeed, you know whether things happen our way or does not happen our way, we give thanks to you. We give thanks to you for every breath that we are able to take, for the sun that's shining brightly now out there, and for being able to come together, whether in person or online, knowing that we as a community gather together because, because of you and your love for us. God, indeed, as the COVID-19 pandemic started two years ago. We really had no idea, you know, what is coming ahead. We thought things would get better in three months, and three months became six months, it became a year, it became two. And indeed, the situation still does not seem to have improved. But we really do continue to give thanks to you. No matter through whatever struggles we have, whether is it the choice to be vaccinated or to be non-vaccinated, whether is it a choice of the countries having access to the vaccines or not. We continue to pray that this pandemic does not tear us apart, but indeed is able to bring all of us together for we are a human community. God, we just continue to uplift each and every country, especially those poor countries who does not have access to the vaccines. God, we also continue to pray for Afghanistan, that under the ruling of the Taliban, many of the marginalised groups especially the women, are really being targeted and that their freedom and even their lives are being forfeited because of what they choose to believe and they choose to follow. God, while we live in Singapore, a relatively safe country, and this issue seems so far, far away from us, may we in our hearts and in our minds not forget that all these are lives, lives that we may not know, 
but nonetheless will impact us. That even as yesterday was September 11th, and this memory seems so distant ago, and we may have really forgotten what the issue is about. We continue to live up the world that's divided by war, that's crushed by division in religion, division in race, division in gender, even division in economic status. We just continue to leave each and every one up to you. And we continue to pray that in our own minuscule way, that though we think we may not be able to help, but in whatever way we can, as long as we are willing to take that step, make that effort, we know that we can all be part of the change, be part of the reason that the world can be a better place tomorrow and the days to come for our generation and the generation to come. God, we continue to pray for strength and sustenance. We continue to pray for wisdom. And we continue to pray for a merciful heart in us that indeed we may be your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet in this world. We lift all this up in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So as we wait, continue to wait patiently, we'll continue to take part in the worship segment.
Good morning and welcome home. I want to thank the people um, who are joining us online for their patience uh, because um, e even when we rebooted the computer, um, the music didn't come through. So they only had the video output but no sound. Um, while the rest of us here are able to participate and listen to the worship, um, they are you are unable to. Um, and we'll try to fix this uh, next week and try to look at the issues. Um, but it seems that every week there are new issues to resolve, uh, even though we have been doing the same thing every week for a while. Last week was the blinking lights, uh, and those of you online didn't see that, but those of you who are present will see the disco lights blinking behind. Um, not that distracting, uh, but this week is the sound. Um, I hope that you can hear me, but we have tested it and they can, you know, the voices come through, so uh, you won't just see me standing and not hear the sermon. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for um, the patience and the generosity. Um, and I think that's what we need through this period um, that we're all struggling through, um, this lockdown and finding new ways of gathering as a community, finding new ways to connect with one another. Will you join me in prayer? God, these are the moments where we realize we often take things for granted. And we want to anchor ourselves and not look at the things that we lack, but be grateful for what that we have. And these moments remind us what is the heart of worship. Worship is not just music. Worship is an orientation of our hearts. Worship is us connecting to you. Worship is not just singing and music, but so much more about how we live our lives. So God, as we continue to worship you, open our hearts and our minds, and may the words from my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you as worship. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as what we have done since the beginning of COVID <clears throat> and implementing this mentee and allowing you to participate and allowing you to, to construct the sermon together with me, together with us, um, today, you know, you can log, those of you who are not familiar, you can go to menti.com um, and use the sermon, use the code 39721632 and you can join in um, and answer the questions that I pose along the way um, for this sermon. So again, the code is 39721632. You know the drill, right? This week, we reach into the second half of the eight Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 12. The fifth Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they we shown mercy. I hope that this sermon arc has been illuminating for you as we re reflect on the Beatitudes. This week, Kin shared the Beatitudes with the chat groups that um, part of the church. The Beatitudes from the First People's Version the Indigenous Translation of New Testament. And I'm going to share that with you because it's something that you might not be familiar with. It's a different translation 
by the indigenous people of Canada. Creator's blessing rests on the poor, the ones with broken spirits. The good road from above is theirs to walk. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who walk a trail of tears, for Creator will wipe the tears from their eyes and comfort them. Creator's blessing rests on the ones who walk softly and in a humble manner. The earth, land and sky will welcome them and always be their home. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who hunger and thirst for wrongs made right again. They will eat and drink until they are full. Creator's blessings on the ones who are merciful and kind to others. Their kindness will find its way back to them, full circle. Creator's blessings rest on the pure of heart. They are the ones who will see the great spirit. Creator's blessing rests on the ones who make peace. It will be said of them, they are children of the great spirit. Creator's blessing rests on the ones who are hunted down and mistreated for doing what is right, for they are walking the good road from above. It's a fresh perspective and brings out the nuances of the Beatitudes and offers a glimpse of how the indigenous peoples translate Jesus' words into their context. When Pauline kicked off this series, she shared, What is this person saying? It sounds like Jesus is turning the values of the world upside down. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are meek, for they will inherit the, world, the earth. That doesn't make sense. It's all upside down. That isn't how the world is. To be poor in spirit, merciful and meek will get you nowhere in a culture grounded in competition and fear. But I don't think that Jesus is talking about how the world is. Jesus is talking about how the world is meant to be and what God is really about. This is not just a set of blessings, but Jesus showing us how the kingdom of God looks like. Yet, today's verse, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy, sounds more like how the world operates in terms of transactions. You scratch my back and I will scratch yours. First, I want to hear from you. What do you understand as mercy? What is a word or phrase that comes to your mind when you hear mercy? It's a word that we hear often, right? And maybe you have a different perspective. I want to see how we, we understand it as a community. Forgive, compassion, undeserved, kindness, benevolence. Grace, unwarranted. It seems forgiveness is a huge thing, and kindness as well, compassion. Yeah, I love word clouds because you can see, you know, for um, pardon, love, goddess of mercy. Yeah, that's what you hear, right? You know, straight away that comes to mind. Gentle rain. 
not looking for reward. Gift in place of punish. That's an interesting perspective. Instead of being punished, you are given something, something good. Gratitude, lenient. It seems that compassion, kindness and forgiveness um, is the most um, used words or that you have put in. Thank you. Thank you for keying in and contributing to this word cloud. And yes, these are the three things I was going, I'm going to talk about. You hit the jackpot. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness. Not too off, right? That's what we understand commonly um, as compassion. I want to talk about kindness and compassion first, right? They're what we do out of love, generosity, concern for others, and without an expectation of getting anything in return. Forgiveness, I'll come to, and this forgiveness, which I'll come to um, later, and I want to start off with asking you about kindness and compassion. Now, this is going to be a little bit more difficult because the question is, other than God and Jesus, because it's the easiest ones, right? Which characters in the Bible comes to your mind when we think about being merciful? Because it's very easy to just key in Jesus and God. No, I mean, then you score already. I'm not going to make the, this easy for you. When, I, when we talk about kindness and compassion, who are the ones that come to your mind? The father of the prodigal son? Solomon? Abel? I'm not sure Abel is merciful, right? Moses? Question mark. I would think that, uh, ah, you know, many of you point, um, said Joseph, right? How he was merciful to his brothers who mistreated him, who beat him up, sold him to, uh, sold him to slavery, right? Then there's the prodigal father, yes. Ruth, merciful. Joseph, um, Esther, question mark. Mary, yes. Joseph to his brothers and David to Saul. Hmm, that's, a, that's a good um, reflection. That some people in... Not, it's, must, being merciful is, may not be characterized by their entire lives, but moments in their lives, key moments, like how David treated Saul, but definitely not how David treated Uriel. Right? Um, Boaz showing mercy to Ruth. I'm half about that because he was attracted to Ruth, right? Um, in a way, Ruth seduced him. So was it totally being merciful? Noah to animals, more to than humans probably. <laughs> yes, right? The master in the parable. Thank you. Thank you for responding and reflecting and thinking about I hope that when we look through the Bible and we read the stories, we don't just read the stories and that's it. I hope that when you read, you think about how these characters, and these characters are not perfect, right? And we want to see them in 
their best and also the points of time when they fail and see them as balanced people and human like us. We can be merciful too, but we also are flawed. The character that comes to mind for me is the Samaritan in Jesus' parable, the one Jesus used as an example, right? I often get inspiration while preparing for sermons. I will come across articles, posts, and sharings that resonate with what I was going to preach about. And I like to think that God is prompting me through that. And today, while we are rehearsing and in, in the midst of all the um, anxiety about the sound and all that, um, we were going through the, the communion liturgy. And I went, oh my God. Because communion liturgy rotates every week. We, change, we have five liturgies that we change every week, and then it goes on rotation. And when we were going through that, I realized that it's almost um, serendipitous. It connects so much with what I'm going to say next. And I hope that when we go through the liturgy today, you just don't just say it, don't just read it, but reflect on what the words mean for us. I think God is trying to prompt us as a community. So this time, not surprisingly, as I was preparing for this sermon, I came across Pastor Hill Carmichael's post on the parable of the Good Samaritan. I shared it on Facebook, and if you want to read his full post, you can just check it out. But I'm just going to share a few key points from it. We've heard that parable many, many times, right? It's so familiar that I suspect that we have included it in our sermons more than twice this year, between me and Pauline. But even for me, Pastor Carmichael's post was illuminating. He shared that he was distracted in class when his seminary professor started talking about this parable, right? Maybe you are too. It's like, man, he's going through that again. I've heard about the, Samar the Good Samaritan so many times. I'm familiar. And he said he took a little mental break in class, you know, during that session. But when his professor said, this is not a story about being nice. This is a story about the transformation of the world. He sat up and started to pay attention again. Jesus was responding to a question when he told this parable. And which question was he responding to? I'm not asking you to go into key. Right? Which question was he responding to when he told the parable of the Good Samaritan? Those of you who are on uh, YouTube, you can type in in the chat box. Huh? Louder lah. I cannot hear. Who is my neighbour? Jesus was responding to the question, who is my neighbour, when he told this parable. And Jesus responded by sharing that there are three types of people along the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. The first type are the robbers, whose ethic suggests that what is yours is mine, whatever the cost. And the robbers will take whatever they need through violence, coercion, and whatever means necessary. These are the people who live, leave us physically, mentally, emotionally beaten and bruised along life's road 
with nothing left but our shallow breath. The second type of people to walk along this dangerous road between Jericho and Jerusalem is represented by the priest and the Levites. And their ethic suggests what is mine is mine, and I must protect it, even if it means that you get hurt in the process. They aren't necessarily bad people. Both the priest and the Levite are deeply respected in their communities. They are very likely to follow all the societal rules and norms. They also show a great deal of love to those within their immediate communities. But because crossing the road might cost them, they put their head down and go about their business, pretending that nothing happened. So without even recognizing it, they do more harm than good. Their focus is inward toward their needs and needs of those who are most like them. It's an ethic that leads to a good and decent priest and Levite toward a life of valuing their reputations instead of relationships. And it often results with them choosing their own individual rights over their health and well-being, their, their own individual rights over the, the health and well-being of their neighbours. Like Pastor Carmichael, this is the category I would say I fall into most of the time. When you see me speaking up, engaging in social activism, social justice, I do it after calculating what it would cost me, what it would and what it could cost me. You know the times that I did speak up, but you don't know the times I chose not to because the cost is too much and there's just too much to lose, too much to risk. And I agree with Pastor Carmichael. If we are all being honest, it's the category that most of us fall into more than we care to admit. And then, and then, there is the Samaritan whose ethic is love. Along one of the most dangerous roads, the Samaritans seem to live by a code that says, what is mine is yours if you have need of it. Blessed are the merciful. Creator's blessing rests on the ones who are merciful and kind to others. And I want to ask you, which of these groups do you think you fall into? This is anonymous. I'm not able to trace where you, what you select. But be honest and reflect. Which of these groups do you think that you fall into? I would say, like I said, I fall into the second category most of the time. What is mine is mine. I will risk maybe a little bit, but when the cost is too great, I might turn a blind eye. When the cost of speaking up 
might cost me everything, I might not speak up. I might not act. I'm grateful that some of you are like the good Samaritan. What is mine is yours. And I hope that we all try to work towards that. But majority of us feel, right, 25 of you, and add me on 26. What is mine is mine. Self-preservation. And two of you are very honest and said, what is yours is mine. That's how the world taught me, right? Thank you for your honesty. And I do not want to shame anybody for who you are and how you live. Because shaming will not bring us there. Shaming will not bring us to inner transformation. Inner transformation is when we recognize the light and love of God within us that transform us, that bring us towards the kingdom of God. That is why the kingdom of God is within you. We can choose. I would say that I think that for those of you who selected what is yours is mine and what is mine is mine, there will be times that you will be selfless and step up and offer yourselves to those who are in need. There will be a moment, not all the time, but perhaps some of the time, once or twice, we are not perfect. And there are times that we allow fear to rule our actions. Thank you for your reflections. Pastor Carmichael wrote, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. preached on this text often and once said that the real difference between the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan is the question each of them must have asked. The priest and Levite likely asked, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? The Samaritan likely asked a very different question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? In this world we live in, we have been taught self-preservation. We will help as long as it doesn't cost us too much, as long as it doesn't put us at risk, as long as it doesn't put our reputation at stake, as long as we have a safety net. How many of us would light candles in a Virgil outside Changi prison, praying for a person who will be hanged? How many of us would speak up for the migrant workers when they're discriminated against? Dr. Laya Ng recently shared about her experience delivering food to a new dormitory complex. And this complex looked more like a prison than a dormitory. The fences are so high, with barbed wires all around. It was prison. 
what concerns her, and it should concern us as well, is the welfare of these workers, their mental health, their physical health. If we think that we are stuck, inconvenienced, and affected by all the various policies that are put in place because of COVID, think about their situation. They're told that you're not allowed to mingle, you're not allowed to come out of those compounds when you know you're on your rest days. And even when you and even when they are allowed some recreational time, it's very restricted. For all our safety. But they have their they're human too. Shouldn't we be affording them some dignity and space so that they can have life and have life more fully? But we have always behaved this way. Self-preservation is placed above everything else. We protect ourselves first. What is mine is mine. And when we unpack all of this, it is based on an ethic of fear. It is a fear of scarcity, fear of losing everything, and fear of not having enough. Remember when God provided the Israelites manna from heaven? Some of them still hoarded the manna, afraid that there will be not enough, despite being told that there will be. From Exodus chapter 16, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. If we are tested today, do you think we will follow God's instruction? Don't keen straight away. Think about it. Think of how that translates to today when we look at our bank accounts and worry if there's enough or we must have enough for six months, you know, in case we lose our jobs. We must have X amount in the bank. We worry. If we are tested today, do you think that we'll follow God's instruction not to hoard and to trust in God's provision? Thank you for your responses. Ten of you said yes, 13, no, 11 said yes, 13 said no. I'll be honest, I will not likely be saying yes. It's hard to trust, right? It is something that we have to live into. It's something that we have to reflect and constantly be on guard. The values of the world versus the values of the kingdom of God. I'm learning to let go, learning to trust, learning that God will provide. And God has always showed up. Have I begun to learn to lean into that? Trusting in God's abundance? 
Abundance not in the sense that we have million dollars in the bank. Abundance that we will have enough. It's a journey, right? The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Isn't that odd? The ones who gathered a lot didn't have too much. And the ones who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. What does it mean to us today? Are we the ones who gathered too much? Or are we the ones who gathered little? How does that work? How does that equaling out happen? Could it be that those who gathered too much gave some extra to those who gathered too little? We don't know. But everyone had as much as they needed. But what happened thereafter? Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning. And it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. What do we hoard till morning today that will be full of maggots and begin to smell the next day. And I'm not talking about bread. How many of us are like the Israelites, these Israelites, and will not follow instructions? How many of us will hoard because we lack faith? We lack faith that the next morning there will be new manna. In God's kingdom, it is the ethic of love that prevails. In this kingdom, our faith is in God and we no longer cling to the things that give us a false sense of security, a false sense of safety because we are afraid. Pastor Carmichael said it this way, My safety is yours if you have need of it. My security is yours if you have need of it. My resources are yours if you have need of them. My health is tied to your health. My well-being is tied to your well-being. Imagine a world where people no longer hoard, where we don't have everyone trying to be millionaires and billionaires, but a world where we share what we have with each other. A world where we put on masks, not to protect ourselves, but to protect those around us. Because honestly, I put on my mask because I don't want to get COVID. That's, that's my rationale. But what if, what if we put on masks not to protect ourselves, 
but to protect those around us. Because one is an ethic of fear, the other is the ethic of love. A world where we put the consideration of the well-being of the least among us above our own needs. What if, what if, what if that we can trust that when we fall sick, there will be someone who will take care of us? Where we don't have to worry about medical bills. What if, what if when we have some need, whatever that need is, that someone that need will somehow be met, then will we need to be hoarding anymore? What if we have the faith that when we are hungry, that we will be fed? When we are thirsty, someone will give us something to drink. When we are strangers, someone will welcome us. When we are naked, someone will clothe us. When we are in prison, someone will visit us. Then, that would be, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That is what I believe it means when Creator's blessing rests on the ones who are merciful and kind to others. Their kindness will find its way back to them, full circle. When we no longer live by an ethic of fear, by an ethic of, but by an ethic of love, that is the kingdom of God. That's how the early Christians lived in Acts, 20, in Acts chapter 2. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. But through time, we have lost this. Human greed, deceit, fear corrupted all this. We no longer trust each other. We start to hoard all over again, prioritizing and protecting ourselves. But should it be this way? Pastor Carmichael says, so, we have some choices to make. We can choose to make our decisions with an ethic of fear. And for a time, choices based on fear have a way of making us feel safe. But that is fleeting at best. The other choice is to cross the road to help our neighbour. And when we cross to the other side, we get a glimpse of something Jesus talked an awful lot about. We will see what transformation looks like. We will finally understand who we are called to be. And best of all, we'll finally encounter the kingdom we have been longing for. Yes, there will be someone who may take advantage of us. There will be heartbreaks, betrayals, but that shouldn't stop us from being merciful. Of course, there are nuances. Our help should not be enabling. But we, might, we must not use that as an excuse not to help but it be intentional and discerning in how we help. And that brings us to the other meaning of mercy, and that's forgiveness. And like kindness, not all who receive forgiveness will do that for others. When I went back to explore Jesus' parables again, something struck me. The parable 
of the unforgiving servant is Jesus' reply to Peter's question. How often shall my, bro my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Until seven times? The parable of the unforgiving servant is the, the parable where, you know, the Lord, for, you know, had, this, un, this servant had a huge debt with the Lord and couldn't pay back and beg for mercy. And the Lord forgave this servant. And this servant went back. And there were other people who owed something to this servant. But this servant was unwilling to forgive those who owed him. And when this was brought to the attention of the Lord... Right? You know, the Lord became angry. I forgave you, and then, but you did not forgive others. The reality is, there will be someone who had been forgiven, but does not forgive. And someone who has experienced mercy, but does not show mercy. That doesn't mean that we stop. Jesus tells Peter and us, I don't tell you until seven times, but until seven times seven times. The hope is that one day that person will turn around and change. That every person turn around and change and align themselves with the ethic of love that is the kingdom of God. That transformation may not happen today, not happen at a time where you forgave that person, but hopefully you have planted that seed that that person will be transformed one day. Dare we trust in that? God first shown us mercy and we respond by showing mercy on others. But when we first experienced forgiveness, experienced mercy, we didn't immediately change. We took the time too. Are we able to allow others to have that time to grow and change? God has provided for us and we learn to trust in God and then share what we have with others. There are several significant experiences I had in this 10 years serving FCC and I'm still struggling with them. There are times when I tried to help, right? I even paid for someone's fine when someone broke the law and tried to set this person on a path of transformation to align this person so that this person will walk on the right path in some ways. And yet, I was betrayed. And yet, this person returned back to old ways. And despite all the time and energy and resources I poured out to get this person out from this person's circumstances, it seems to be of no avail. I was broken-hearted. But that also shaped me today. That pushed me from an ethic of love back to an ethic of fear. That now, when someone else, not the same person, comes to me and asks for help, I look at this, new, this new person, and I might not know this person well, you know. I might look at this person with doubt 
suspicion. Because I have been betrayed before. I am still learning not to allow these experiences colour my interaction. I am still learning to forgive and learning to be merciful and learning to be open-hearted. Because following this ethic of love, following Christ has a cost. It will cost us. We will be betrayed and we will be hurt. Jesus was betrayed by those who were closest to Him, His followers. Jesus, they abandoned Him when He was on the cross. And learning that, reflecting on that, I am growing. Growing to see past all the, the past and learn to align myself with the values of the kingdom of God, a value and living all by the ethic of love. After all, what, what is the greatest commandment but love God and love your neighbour as yourself? Last week, Pauline highlighted the significant transition from the first four Beatitudes to the next four. There's a movement from emptiness and poverty to fullness and abundance. If I see myself as have, having lack, having not enough, then I'm not able to share what I have with others. But if I see that I've been blessed, if I see that God has been providing all along, then I'm able to be more generous, more merciful. In other words, you know, Jesus was pronouncing a blessing upon those who recognize their emptiness, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are merciful, so that we learn that we are actually full. We are making a transition from emptiness to fullness because we will be filled. We are the blessed ones, full and overflowing with mercy. We already have enough. And if we have any lack, God will provide. There we trust in that. There we have faith in that. When we have been shown mercy, will we show others mercy? I want to invite you to reflect what are your reflections on this sermon? What do you think you want to do or change? This is a rather open-ended question. Not easy to answer. Requires some reflection. When you have been shown mercy, will you show others mercy? What is God prompting you right now? This is an opportunity for you to share and we to learn from one another in that sharing. Because I love how this mentee works, that through our collective sharing, God's Spirit moves 
and we speak to one another and in a rather safe space because this is anonymous. Good for you when you don't think there's change required. But I want to invite you to deeper reflection because when we think that we have arrived, then we think that we are there. But the journey is always continual. There's always something for us to grow. There's more that we can do, right? To have more courage to cross the line, to take risks in love. Yes. To continue to live out from an ethic of love. To trust unconditionally, forgive unconditionally, and to give unconditionally. That's a tall order. To learn to trust again. Yes. And I'm trying to learn to trust again, too. To show compassion towards all, including my enemy. And can we move away from labelling people as our enemy? They are our neighbours. Two. To expect zero returns by lend a helping hand. I should trust that God will provide and I should help others despite the risk of betrayal. Yes. You speak my words out for me. Showing mercy is a cost, and being merciful needs courage and grace from God. Yes. But we need to also take that step. That step. And what we let God will provide. That little courage, if we, can, if we just sit down there, nothing's going to happen. But when we take out that courageous step, that little step, then you might see transformation happening within. Adopt a more, more of the Samaritan ethics. To treat my tenant who is inconsiderate and messy in nature better by tolerating further. Well, that may not necessarily be um, merciful. Because being merciful is not about being enabling. Perhaps it's sitting down and having a good conversation to establish good boundaries. Establishing expectations. Establishing what you need and what your tenant needs, right? Continue to love others even when the, everyone around me is in fear of sharing and loving. Many around me is what is yours is mine and mine is my mentality. Help me to love them in spite of that. Yes. And by doing so, perhaps you inspire them to change as well. I inspire them to have a glimpse of what could be possible. Remember that God has always shown up and I've always have enough. Continue to be generous and let God's love and justice overflow in society. Yes. Think about what I really need in my life where I can cut back and use that to help people. Yeah. To give more financially. Calculate my costs before standing up for injustice. Forgive my previous church for spiritual abuse. Move from an ethic of fear to love. It's okay to be alone if we can't show mercy. No, it's not okay to be alone. There's one thing in the Bible that says, in, the, in Genesis, that God says it's not good. It is not good for the human to be alone. God doesn't want you to be alone. God wants you to be connected with God and connected with people in community. It is disconnectedness that is sin. Sin is separation from God and separation from each other. So, no, it's okay. It's not okay to be alone. You are part of the kingdom. 
You are part of this family that's FCC. You are not alone. To reflect and reconsider what mercy might mean because it's often assumed that you have more capacity when you give rather than receive mercy. Hmm? Trying to learn how to do forgiveness and put down that defensive behaviour, it's not easy because um, defensive behaviour is protecting ourselves from being hurt. And sometimes when we are merciful, we are generous, we are opening ourselves up and be vulnerable. And sometimes, people hurt us when we are vulnerable. I hope that as a community, we can create a safe space where we can all learn to be vulnerable, to care for one another, to move from an ethic of fear to love, to learn to give and not hoard. Don't lose heart to forgive. Thankful that I'm equipped to forgive. Yes. It's a struggle to have a different mindset from all those around me to help without reason to love unconditionally. Yes, when we are surrounded by Levites and priests, it's hard to be a Samaritan because there's no good return, right? There's no return on investment. It's all cost if you think about that. But that's the ethic of love. You don't count the cost. I want to be able to trust people more and not be sceptical of every action, whether kind or otherwise, from others. That's when I think, you know, be innocent as doves and what did Jesus say? Be as Be as white as wolves. Wise as wolves. Be wise as serpents. Ooh. Thank you for correcting me. Not wolves. Learn to give and share, not to hoard. Take risks to love and trust those who have failed you. Engage in political action on behalf of the vulnerable and powerless. To remember God has forgiven me so many times, in the light of that, maybe I can try to forgive others. To forgive and have the courage to confront the ones who hurt and angered me and to trust in God and worry less. I'm thinking about how the transformation world of the world comes from a simple change of mindset, but that change is very difficult. Yes, it's very difficult because it's ingrained in us to survive. You see, the glory of God isn't seen in the world's billionaires living in mansions that are more like castles, living like lords and kings, or billionaires flying into space. But the glory of God is seen when the least among us are taken care of, afforded dignity, and shown mercy. Because it is in the feeding of the hungry, the giving of of drink to the thirsty, the receiving of a stranger in our homes, the clothing of the naked, taking care of the sick, visiting those in prison, that we demonstrate and live out our love for Christ. And receiving the stranger in our homes may not just be literal, 
But receiving strangers in our home is about welcoming people who are not local into Singapore or anywhere in the world. It's fighting against that xenophobia. It's not looking at the person who is homeless on the streets and thinking, you know what, this person probably didn't work hard enough. This person probably didn't fight for his or her own rights. And that's why this person ended up on the streets. But feeding the hungry is feeding the hungry. And giving shelter to them and clothing them. Because whenever you did this for the least amongst you, you have done for me. And whenever you have refused to help the least amongst you, you have refused to help me. We are blessed. And in what Pauline shared last week, in Archbishop Elias Chakol's interpretation of Jesus' words in Aramaic, blessed is translated as, get up, go ahead, do something, move. Get up, go ahead, do something, move. Mercy isn't just something that you feel. Mercy is something that you do. What is required of you? But to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Get up, go ahead, do something, move. Amen. Let us prepare for this time of Holy Communion and for those who are at home to this moment to gather the elements so that we can partake of this meal together. So we gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. So this means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. Altogether, God, God, God of, of mercy and justice, be with us. We, we lift our, our hearts to you, not, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it's how we respond to your unconditional love, because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have showed stories of your mercy, of how, how you, you gave food to the poor, clothes to the naked, and shelter to the lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice, of how, how you, you gave freedom, freedom to the enslaved, opportunity to the outcast, and peace to the war-torn. You acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, providing them with manna when they, when they were, were hungry. And your people acted with both mercy and justice, like the prophets who cried out to care for widow, orphan, and foreigner, and those who provided food, shelter, and community. 
you have shared your mercy and justice with us, not only as gifts to be received from you, but as gifts that we are to share with the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In, in mercy, he gave, gave food to the hungry. With justice, justice he broke social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick. With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. In mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he broke against the empire that helped them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose a corrupt system. On the night he was handed over to the unjust system that killed him, he protested by sharing a meal with his friends. Then he took bread, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends. Then called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. After they ate, he took the cup, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his spilled blood every time they drank wine. But that, but that wasn't, wasn't all. all. God's mercy and justice birthed forth when Jesus died, and his resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice, even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. So we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out onto this meal, on these gifts of mercy, bread and juice that we, we may remember Jesus' mystery of mercy and justice, that these gifts of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may show mercy and do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. May the lovely stewards please come forward to help distribute the elements of which we will all partake together.
Let us partake the elements with gratefulness. May I invite the congregation to stand if you're willing and able to. Let's say this together. God, through this meal, we pray that your grace would empower us to do justice, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You have given us your Son as an example, and your Holy Spirit as advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome once again to the Sunday service of FCC. As I was listening to Pastor Smyak's sermon and reflecting on my years as a Christian, it's like the more, the longer you are a Christian, I don't know whether it's it for you, but for me, it's like the more I feel that I fall short of God's standard. It's like, you know, and I always wonder why is it that God always asks us to be the opposite of what the world asks of us? I mean, if you have studied some science or something, you know about the selfish gene. So it's like, being selfish is innate. We don't choose to do it. It's in our genetics, you know. So how do we go against our genetics to follow what the sermon says, to be merciful, to really go beyond what we naturally are inclined to do? And if, you know, I, I, I was just uh, reading to say that, you know, if... Display, displaying psychotic traits allow you to become CEOs of this world, would you actually hold back your psychotic traits because you want to follow God's, you know, God's way and God's path? I, I, I think it's really a very, very difficult job, but a lot of times uh, we still continue to struggle. We are all not perfect, but I think as long as we are willing to and our heart is there, I think God is always there to help us uh, move along. So indeed, uh, Thank you, Matt, for this sermon. And as we take back the message of the day and reflect uh, of our past and of the days to come, to really think about uh, the choice that we are willing to make, you know, if we decide to follow God. So once again, uh, welcome to the Sunday service of FCC. Uh, we again offer our most sincere apologies for all the technical uh, difficulties we have today. Uh, for those who are new to FCC, I'm sorry if you are yeah, watching us for the first time online with all these uh, issues. But indeed, if you want to get to know us better and to allow us to keep in touch with you, uh, please leave your details at fcc.la slash fcc welcome. 
And on every last Sunday of the month, we actually have a newcomers meeting where the pastors and some of the church leaders uh, will meet together with you to uh, give you more idea of what FCC stands for and what's the theology of FCC, etc., etc. Uh, please email info at freecomchurch.org if you are interested to attend this event and then a link will be sent to you. So for the service to be able to take place every Sunday, we actually depend a lot on the generosity of the members and the friends of FCC. So coming to the giving segment of the service, we are able to give by two means. One is to give by pay now, which you can do so by scanning the QR codes on the screen or some of the stickers are actually on the chairs in front of you. Uh, one provides for the FCC general fund, which actually... Uh, provides for the salaries of the staff of the FCC and the general running of this church and space. The other is for the FCC building fund, which actually pays towards the mortgage. Uh, you can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. So for those people here who would like to give by cash, uh, please just uh, raise your hands and the stewards will go around and pass the collection back around. Thank you. Let us now pray for the giving. God, indeed, we thank you that you are a God of mercy and justice. And though we may all fall short, but we know that you still love us. And in response to your love, God, whether we give back in terms of uh, monetary contributions, in terms of serving in church, in terms of helping out the marginalised communities in the various ways that we can, we continue to pray that in every way that we give back to you, it is your love and your mercy and your kindness that shines through us. And it is not because of us, but because of your love for us that we are able to give back. God, we just continue to lift up all this into your hands in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Now we have come to the announcement segments of the service. The one and only announcement is <laughs> the announcement for volunteers. Okay, if you have seen, last week actually I was up there in the hive and that's where a lot of problems happened. There was a lot of technical issues. And then this week I'm here as service leader. There's still a lot of problems and there's still a lot of technical issues. FCC is a church of around 100 members and plus a lot of friends online and live on, on site, but we only have three full-time staff, which is two pastors and one staff. The whole church is run based on volunteers. And as you can see, we really, really need volunteers because, you know, we are all carrying multiple hats. So we need volunteers for the production ministry, which includes the video, uh, getting the service out online, includes the sound, includes the visual. We need volunteers for social media marketing, whether is it uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, website. Now we have an app that we want to launch to welcome people to FCC. And then we still have a welcome team, worship team, prayer team. You see me uh, doing double duty today. We have communion team. We have service leader teams. So there's actually many, many ways that you can volunteer with the church if you are willing and able to. And we do ask for you to uh, come and uh, share a hand or feet or your head or whatever technical knowledge that you can actually offer to us. 
Anything, as long as you have a heart to serve, we welcome you. So if you'd like to volunteer with us, please just send an email to info at freecomchurch.org and we are sure that we will be able to find a ministry for you to take part in because this is really, uh, we need all hands and feet uh, on deck to make sure that you know the church runs properly and then uh, we don't we you know we don't suffer cracks in between and drop our balls and this and that. So the next for the next uh, announcement we'll invite Pastor Pauline to come out and talk about a very special service. So good morning uh, and I'm so excited uh, to share with you about our FCC 18th anniversary service. So, FCC has been around for 18 years. I mean, that's quite something, right? I mean, the, um, how amazing God's faithfulness has been over the years. And so, as we celebrate our 18th anniversary on the 10th of October, 1010, I want to invite you to firstly, of course, come participate in the service, whether you're here in person or online. And a couple of things that you can consider in participating in, even as we lead up to the service. There are a few more weeks going to the service. Um, so one is that during the anniversary service, it's always a very special time once a year when we invite new members to join our community and when we also reaffirm uh, our membership together as a people of God. And so if you're not a member of FCC yet, but you've joined us as a newcomer or even as an old-timer for a long time, uh, and there's something in you that God is kind of nudging you to think about, to think about maybe membership, uh, with this church, uh, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider it. And if you have any questions, please approach me or Miak. Uh, you can in, um, email us at info at freecomchurch.org. And we'll be very happy to just answer your questions, talk with you, and to see what your options are. Okay? In the same way, for those of you who are not baptized and you feel led to be baptized, this is also a very good opportunity this time uh, because we'll be doing a baptism service during the anniversary service itself. We already have two people who want to be baptized. There might be more of you out there who have been thinking about it. And if you have questions as well, please feel free to email us, okay? We'll be happy to chat with you and to answer your questions. And a couple of other ways. If you're already a member, you're already baptized, you still have stuff to do, all right? Uh, we are actually collecting physical artifacts. So examples of artifacts are, sounds very like, uh, like archaeology, right? But what we're collecting are like photos, videos, even things like retreat booklets. Like those of you who have been on church retreats, maybe you have a copy of a booklet um, or some kind of thing, right? Uh, physical stuff that you actually somehow have in your storeroom, in your shelf. Uh, things that have stories behind them, right? And uh, we want to just kind of collect them. We might be doing a, a kind of exhibition. We are still thinking about how we're going to bring that across. Uh, but we want to remember God's faithfulness in our journey. And I think some of these physical items actually remind us uh, as we hold on to them, as we think about the stories behind them, uh, how God has been walking with us over these 18 years. Right? So you can uh, upload them uh, to fcc.la slash fccarchives for those that have digital photos. For those that have physical ones, you can always uh, let us know uh, at info at freecomchurch.org. And if you want to join the team, that's curating these artifacts and planning the service, please let us know as well, okay? I know it says sign up by 8th uh, September. I think today, okay, let's make today the last day, right? Yeah, right, okay? Last day, please sign up by today and we'll get in touch with you, okay? And if you're willing and able, will you uh, stand as we receive the benediction?
loving God, you have poured out your mercy on us, on our lives so abundantly, so generously, so extravagantly. We are full because of you. So help us, send us out that we may be people who are merciful, people who are filled with mercy, the same way that you have shown mercy to us. God, remind us of that question, even as we go about our lives. If I do not help that person, what will happen to them? God, send us out in your love to love and to show mercy to all who come along our paths. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for our service this uh, Sunday. Um, we wish you a very blessed week ahead and do join us again uh, next week. Okay? God bless you. Thank you.